0: conference preview season begins. We've got the ACC for you today. Lots to get into with these 15 teams. We talked about them throughout the offseason. Lots of movement. Some really big years looming for some really high-profile names in the sport. Uh, It should be a fun one. So, eight weeks from college basketball. the, The countdown is on. Rosters almost entirely set at this point, but we do have some Injury news to get to, we'll touch on at the top here, as well as, Brad, I think the news that really got people talking on social media today, and I'm not sure why it was as big of a deal to people as it was, but this um, Fox Sports fake NIT uh, that has been proposed, Seth Davis from The Messenger reported that this morning, Matt Norlander, um, with the with, with a few additional details over at CBS, Essentially, Fox, which has, you know, a share of the Big 12's rights, it has all of the Big East's rights, and it has a substantial portion of the Big 10's rights, wants to launch a 16-team postseason tournament that would rival the NIT, that would force contractually all those, the teams from those three leagues, the Big 12, the Big East, and the Big 10, to participate if they miss the NCAA tournament. Um, play in Vegas between the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Brad, what was your initial reaction when you saw this? And uh, how, on a scale of 1 to 10, how dumb an idea do you think this is? So we'll start with, I think one of the, the parts of the deal, right, was that there would be NIL money involved? Yes, which is actually, which, which is what the, I believe the CBI has, has tried to do as well, is that, you know, a portion of the money that, you know, is getting sent is getting sent as NIL. But I thought the CBI is, the schools have to pay like $50,000. I amount. think the schools pay and then the money that comes back in some form from the, because I, I, I think revenue is split
1: with the CBI. Dang. I think the money that comes back is somewhat NIL. Second thought is, I mean,
2: the uh, Fox also has the Mountain West. So let's throw the Mountain West in there. That's four conferences can you get, you know, between, you know, you could get, I think, a more palatable 16-team field if you threw in in another conference. But my third thought, kind of spinning off that is, I'm not going to watch it anyway. So, you know, you can have a new NIT. I mean, the... The NIT has, like, no interest at all because, at least for me personally, I was really into the NIT when I first started following college basketball because Providence hadn't made the NCAA tournament s- since I was a fan. So I think it was a 20, probably 2013 NIT, I was, like, really engaged. I went to both Providence home games they had. Um, but then the next year, they made the NCAA tournament, and they made it five years after that and eight out of 10 years, and I haven't cared about the NIT ever since. Um, but I think maybe one of the reasons why the NIT has been devalued is because, and now if you asked me earlier this morning and before the news came out, I probably would have said, you know, it's a good thing that the NIT rewards these the mid-major com, regular season conference champions with an automatic bid. Uh, but I think in retrospect, from a TV product, you just don't have any buzz. When maybe the team that won the page, you know, the the America East maybe, and they're 130th in Ken Palm, and they're a seven seed, and they're playing at Rutgers or some, you know, that Rutgers versus Vermont on ESPNU two days after Championship Week just doesn't capture enough attention
0: okay but but i guess i guess i guess the question i would have would be would would you have any more excitement about watching rutgers versus oklahoma
2: i mean i think everyone would the question is is it enough to get you to switch on the channel i
0: don't don't think that. well i also think i also think and, and there's a few things here number one is that i like you do not watch the nit um part of that is i'm not home during March right if you if you cover college basketball you are so like ground around the wound around the axle for that month that like you don't really have time to do it like like I think I saw one like the ending of Michigan Vanderbilt at a bar while I was watching other NCAA tournament games on like the Sunday of the first weekend but like there's no time in the calendar for like anyone who actually covers a sport to watch the NIT. My second thought on this whole thing was that it would have a lot better, if it would have had a lot better chance like five years ago, because think about this, that the 16 teams, they're all high majors. You realistically think two to, two to six of them are going to fire their coach if they miss the NCAA tournament, right? In those leagues. There's a few teams where maybe it's beneficial, right? Like again, you think about a coach in year one or year two where they're building momentum, they have a good year but not a great year, right? Like maybe like those Steve Peichel Rutgers teams early before they broke through and made the tournament. That might have been, you know, this might be a good, good event for them, whatever. But like with the portal and with coaching changes, like I don't I just don't see how this is gonna be at all a valuable product for people to watch, particularly given it'll it's supposed to start, you know, two plus weeks after the season kids aren't going to want to wait around. So, you know, look here, here, here's my thing. And maybe this is a hot take. Like I think if there was no NIT and such, and someone proposed the NIT today, people would be like, well, that's a nice idea, but why would anyone care about it? You know what I mean? Like the NIT is there because of inertia. I don't see why we need more. Right. Like,
2: Right, because cause the NIT was comparable, or I think some people said even better than the NCAA tournament 60 years ago. I think if I understand history correctly, and I'm far from a basketball historian, but the NCAA and the NIT would each try to like compete to bring teams into their tournament, right? And they each took 16 teams, so you I had to choose right. which one. Is that made up? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. So yeah, it's got that 60 years of kind of brand equity, but I don't know really what the inflection point was where it went from yeah this is something that's on ESPN and people at least seem to care about to then they you know they moved it from Madison Square Garden. I I I wonder if the, if there if there was a correlation between letting those you know. Miac or America East or you know Southland or whoever won those regular seasons giving them automatic bids watered down the field enough that it made people not care because even when I did care about the NIT I cared the most about that Tuesday and Wednesday that first round yes. because you're on that that basketball high and you're coming out with these you know mid major you know high major
0: I don't know. I think the only thing and then we can close the book on this topic because I don't think it's that important to discuss right now with limited details. The only thing that should I think make raise alarm bells is the idea that a few conferences and a TV network are partnering on ripping from NCAA control a postseason event in college basketball. And if it works and if they're able to successfully do it, then that opens the door for our TV network to say, Why don't we run the college basketball postseason? And if they do that, then there would be major changes to how it operates, right? Like
2: But sorry, I, I need I need to interject because now the whole charter versus Disney thing was resolved earlier today. But that is kind of like the canary in the coal mine that the TV networks do not have the same power that they've had for the last 40 years. You know, I, I, I think it's way more likely that the next iteration of the NCAA tournament is on like a streaming service as opposed to well, Fox right. or ESPN sure. or CBS throwing their weight around to get, um, to
0: get a certain tournament field. Whoever would purchase it, right? Maybe Apple says they want the NCAA tournament, right? I don't know. But someone outside the, you know, the idea that conferences could partner with a could could partner with a media media conglomerate and produce a tournament and compete with the NCAA tournament
1: should scare people a little bit.
0: Anyway, um, we have one quick kind of newsy item. Um, In the injury world, before we get to our ACC preview, Zach Fremantle out until I believe the reporting is at least January and could be the whole season with a foot injury that has not healed properly. Um, Goodman reporting that for the messenger. Um, Brad, I mean, Fremantle has had a very up and down career at Xavier, started strong, was in trouble last year, seemed to regain the good graces of Sean Miller. Uh, now has injury concerns. Xavier already has, has question marks with Jerome Hunter at, at health-wise after he had a medical incident this summer. Um, what would this mean for Xavier if Fremantle can't go this year?
2: I mean, when the news came out that Jerome Hunter was probably done for the year, at least done for a while, you know, the thought was, okay, They slid Fremantle up to the four. And slide Usman in the starting lineup, or you have Fremantle playing the five in a small ball lineup with like Desmond Quad up the four, and your offense is just incredible, and your defense is a sieve. Because um, I mean, Fremantle, you know, he's not. It's it's kind of been proven that he's not a very good defensive player. You know, he, he's very productive. He's very talented offensively. He can score inside and out. Um, but he's kind of a uh, double-edged sword there. But now you're going into a team now where, where, where instead of saying, okay, this is going to be like a nuclear offense and we'll hope that Uzman can uh, hold down the defensive end. Now this whole front court is really in disarray. Um, I know that you've said people have spoken highly of Lazard Djokovic. I assume he starts now. Uh, Kachi Enzi started a lot, if not all, of their international trip. Uh, and I still think that we could see... Small ball with the four guards around his main, uh, but it certainly hurts Xavier's ceiling. I wouldn't necessarily count out Sean Miller just yet because I think this offense could still be really humming um, even without Fremantle. But you know they really need that, you know that 15 and 8, even if he has defensive deficiencies.
0: Yeah, do you think this is a tournament team without him or Hunter?
2: I'm going to lean yes still just because I think Sean Miller has proven after last year that he is a elite coach. And they still have, you know, I mean, Desmond Claude is going to explode. They have a very good backcourt uh, with three scoring guards with Green, McKnight, and Oliveri. They have a lot of great recruits. Uzbeam is just the anchor on a very good North Texas team. So um, I think there's still enough here to make the tournament. But I think... So I had Xavier at six and St. John's at seven. I might end up flipping those and moving Xavier closer to the bubble, but
0: I, I'm, I'm certainly not selling any Xavier stuff. Yeah. I mean, the guards are good enough to be in the game. Um, I love McKnight. Um, I, I, I just worry. I mean, one, it'd be, you know, five, you know, five new starters, right? I mean, I guess Claude was in and out towards the end of last year, but it'd be a completely new team. I mean, if, if you work it down, right, like let's just say Jerome Hunter and Fremantle are both out for the year. Then they're starting then then their top nine I would have as McKnight new, Oliveri new, Claude part time player last year, Djokovic new, Usman new, Trey Green new, Camcraft n- part time player last year, Duncan new, Kachienze new. And then even you work down Reed Ducharm new, Jydis new. Nama- and then Dalen Swain. So it's just a
1: completely new roster, would be the only concern.
2: Uh see anything else happen? Uh I saw Utah's international freshman has been kick, kicked off the team for a rules violation. Would that be Karahan Feoglu? Yes. Oh and then uh the, the Weave guys
0: said Langston Love is out for a couple months. Must be an almanac scoop.
1: Yeah.
0: But, all right. Let's get into the ACC. Uh, a 15-team league to get us started with conference previews. Can't promise we'll preview every major conference. But we're going to try to get to as much as we can. Um, and it's an I important think, I year. think
1: we
2: can do the power six, yes. and then a mid major one that encompasses everyone else, and then the last week of the year, a general preview, and then we're off wow, and we're running. Let's do it.
0: All right. So coming off a of year ranked seventh as a conference in the Ken Palm rankings. That is its worst mark in the Ken Palm era dating back to 1996, 97 um, Duke won the conference tournament and was the best team based on Ken Palm. Um, but then bounced in the second round to uh, Tennessee, Miami went to the final four, continuing their NCAA tournament excessive late, but, North Carolina's disappointing year. Missing the NCAA tournament was a big story. Louisville's disaster was a huge story. Uh, and Florida State not bouncing back was a big story. We got a new coach at Syracuse and Jim Beheim Re- with Jim Beheim's retirement, Adrian Autry taking over there. Um, I don't think we have a- oh, only other new coaches in the league are Damon Stoudemeyer at Georgia Tech, Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame. Um, both of those I think qualify as interesting hires that we're both fans of. Uh, we will, as always, Brad, go through these leagues based on last year's order of finish. Um, I don't know if you have a projected standings in these leagues yet. I do. I do. Uh, wonderful. So we will go by last year's, and then we'll give our standings projections throughout, and then we'll we'll re-up them at the end. So that means we start with Miami, um, who went 15 and 5 last year, 29 and 8 overall, Final Four appearance, ending their season against UConn in uh, in Houston. Rousing, rousing year from uh, Jim Larranaga's club. Isaiah Wong was tremendous. The transfers worked in perfectly with with Omir and PAC. Jordan Miller is another guy that they will very, very much miss because of how much he blossomed into a you know high level ACC starter. Uh, not quite an All American type, but um, really had a great year. Uh, and, and they have some pieces back with Pack. Wuga Poplar, Norchad O'Meara, and and Bensley Joseph. They also uh, went into the portal for a big addition with Matthew Cleveland from Florida State. Some interesting faces off the bench. They'll be young young and maybe not the deepest on paper, but I certainly think that you have to like a starting group here that has the amount of experience and and talent that that this Miami group has.
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: between their... Four guys who I think are locks to start, right? I mean, Nigel Pack might be the scariest shooter in the country. Like, there are some games you flip it on, and the, the, there was one specifically, maybe. I don't remember who they were playing, but he was just, like, nuclear. Um, he, he's an incredible shooter. Poplar, breakout guy. Yeah, he was, like, the fifth starter last year.
0: Yeah, Larry Agus talking about him being potentially the leading scorer.
2: I think he was on both of our breakout player lists when we did that a few months ago. Norchet Omier is like a top 40 player in the sport. He proved everyone wrong last year. There was the whole, oh, his splits against high majors are terrible. He just feasts in the sunbelt. Um, he was pretty damn good last year. Okay? He's undersized, but he he can score inside. He can handle the ball a little bit. He, he was a perfectly uh, – you know, a a value add at, at, at center for Miami. Um, and then Matthew Cleveland, I would assume starts at the four. Um, you know, he's, listen. he's not the five star that he was ranked as, but he's still a good player. He's still a very good starter In, in the ACC. He's still basically as best as you could hope for, uh, to replace a guy like Jordan Miller, who is in the NBA now, um, in, in the transfer portal. I mean, he averaged 14 and seven last year. Um, you know, despite the shooting numbers being okay, that's that's his bugaboo, right? Like, he can't he can't shoot it at, at a high enough level. Um, so hopefully with Pack and Poplar in there. But you know those those four guys I just listed are all like probably four of the top like 15 players in the ACC. Like the the top of this roster just has so much high end talent. It's very surprising. T-T rank has him 50th. T rank has his defense being a little bit better than last year, but the offense, w- which was elite last year, just being very good this year, which somehow comes out to 50th. Um, well,
0: if you recall, I mean Miami was not highly regarded by the metrics.
2: They were like 27th, year. I think, last year.
0: So, so they they finished 24th in 10th Palm. They were 40th though. They were 43rd entering the NCAA tournament. And obviously, they I think, I mean, I mean, look, they got a twenty. You know, they got they they, they got a five seed in the tournament. They had earned it. Like they were really good. They won a share of the league title. But I think if you're looking at their national upside, I think that's at least like kind of in the in the back of your mind. Um, some thoughts here. I, I think you know it's critic. I'm I'm, I'm interested to see how Bensley Joseph looks. Um, I thought he was a really good like pest defensively. Is he a guy though that can scale up and be a factor offensively for them at the point guard spot? Um, I love, you know, I love two through five, as you said. Um, and then f- from the depth pieces, who's the guy that steps up? There seems to be a lot of excitement about Kaishan George, um, who comes that He was born in Switzerland, spent uh, high school in France, played at the U21 level last year and averaged 17, 6, 4, and 2 steals. Um, He's not so an ass, though. He's a skill guy. Yes. Yeah. He is an interesting kind of X factor, big wing playmaker um, for for this team. Uh, And and then some other guys, you know, both of us like Michael Nawako on on the circuit as like an undersized five. Christian Watson and AJ Casey could step into bigger roles. So I I like the, I'm intrigued by the pieces on the bench. It's why I'm probably higher than consensus on Miami. I have Miami, um, Twenty-first nationally, I believe.
1: And I have.
2: Let's see. And I have Miami uh, seventeenth. I have him even higher. Um, I'd say that 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 top four is so good. I think Joseph will be a fine fifth starter, or or if he's still a sixth man, I think that'll be a fine position. But I mean, the omir Poplar pack in Cleveland for some—that's that's as good as you know, any other team in the top 25, really. I, you know, they're, they're not – this isn't, like, a bump because they're going to have a gaudy ACC record at, you know in in a down conference or something. Like, this team is legitimately talented. Uh, and you mentioned the bench with Nooko, uh, who's, like, a big physical, offensive rebounding five-man power player. Christian Watson's, like, a 3-and-D type. George is a skill guy. Uh, Casey played a little bit last year. He was, like, a top 75 recruit. So, you know. The the bench has a path to be pretty good as well. So I, I I don't I don't necessarily understand how the how the computers have Miami going from 27th to 50th. The computers are recognizing that that the defense should be better than last year. The offense should still be very good. Um, just I guess they don't see that top four that is being as talented as, as I do. And, and you know from a macro macro perspective too. At least T-Rank really hates the ACC. Yes. Like all these teams that I have in like the 50s and 60s, he has them in like the 80s or lower. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we can use that as kind of a theme to look out. I think we'll. I think both of us will be a little higher on teams than than the metrics, but um, that will be. I mean, for this league to gain back some some cachet, it's necessary. Here that that these team that it seemed like Miami is in the 20s, not the 40s, right? That, right? that that's critical for this league. Um, all right, that brings us to Virginia, who is our you know split the league, who split the league title last year with them had a disappointing season down the stretch. I think both of us were always somewhat skeptical of them as like a title contender after their hot early start. Um, but they really really faded down the stretch and lose that horrible game to, to Furman. Um, with that. Awful key high. Key a Clark pass. Clark is gone. A few other key pieces depart, but Reese Beekman back at point guard. Um, bring back Isaac McNeely and Ryan Dunn, two really important young players for them. Uh, and then go in the portal, get Andrew Rohde from uh, Saint Thomas in Minnesota. Had a huge freshman year, six six wing, and could shoot, play make a little bit. Jordan Miner from Merrimack, six eight. A bit undersized for the five spot, but can really, really um, play around the rim. They also added Jacob Groves from um, Oklahoma by way of Eastern Washington, another combo forward type. And Dante Harris, the backup point guard, comes in from Georgetown, where he had some bright moments early in his career and then kind of faded away. So interested to see how Virginia is able to Maneuver a new look roster obviously that's not something I, that's not necessarily a comfort zone for Tony Bennett, but I think the talent level is trending back up after a couple of years where you just didn't feel like they had enough horses to compete for a championship
2: right so you know looking at this Virginia team, obviously they lose their at least i'm looking at conference um, conference stats right now and they lose their top three scores in conference, which kind of brings me to my First point with Reese Beekman where, you know, he's a, he's an NBA prospect. He, he's invited to all the combines and everything. I think the consensus was he would get at least a two-way if he left Virginia. But conference numbers, nine points a game and six assists. And I consider him good enough to be a best player on a good team. I have Virginia 32nd overall, you know, a nine seed. Um, similarly... Guy like Ryan Dunn is getting a lot of NBA buzz now. The conference play three points a game and three rebounds and one block in thirteen minutes a game. And in my mind, he's good enough to be a you know, a, a very good starting power forward in the ACC. Um I'm worried that maybe I'm putting a little too much stock, you know, maybe too much of the NBA um role player projectability has infected my college projection. Do you Do you agree there?
0: So I think people have really gotten enamored with the idea of Reese Beekman over the years. And I'm just not totally sure how much he's gotten better. Like Reese Beekman's an awesome defender. He's a great kind of connective piece. The offensive game, though, I don't think it's ever going to explode. Maybe it will and and I'll be wrong, but I, I even felt like watching the combine. I was like, this guy, like this is not the dynamic playmaking point guard, right? Because if Reese Beekman had become the dynamic playmaking point guard with the elite defense, yes, that's an NBA player. But to me, he's just the elite defense and he's small. So I I think he can set the table for this Virginia team. I do think there's some benefit to him running the show um, instead of playing off the ball next to Kihei because I think, one of the one of the challenges Virginia had the last couple of years was they needed Hayes leadership and, and playmaking ability, but he's just not dynamic enough. And between him and Beekman, you just didn't have enough threats. And I think Isaac McNeely is one of the scariest shooters in the country. Like that dude, he has in the gym range. People are going to have to check him from half court to to keep him running off the line. And if Rody is the guy that people think he can be, and he had an amazing freshman year, like I start to see the appeal here. Now, mo- that that requires minor to be good enough at center, Dunn to take the leap, but I actually am probably one of the higher national media members on Virginia. I I, I think they're a top 25 team. I, I have them 24th nationally. I ju- I just think, look, I know it's going to be harder early with them, but I think Bennett's too good a coach. I love McNeely, Rodie, and Dunn taking the leap, and I love love the point guard. In beekman
2: to me that's enough no a couple other things to mention on on virginia i think i saw that the metrics really like jordan minor even though he is translating from merrimack in the northeast conference up to the acc um that's that's a we're gonna have to wait and see on that one um but behind him they do have blake buchanan Both Buchanan and Gertrude, they're two top freshmen. They got kind of late rankings bumps. To the point where I think Gertrude is a top 50 guy, maybe even a little higher. Um, So that's something that you might not have realized if you haven't checked out 24/7 for that 2023 class in a while. Uh, Buchanan, I believe, is top like 85-ish, 80-ish, and Gertrude is in like the 40s. Um, So that's two pretty nice pieces off the bench. Leon Bond was a very highly regarded recruit, uh, and adds a kind of power and athleticism there in, the, in you know that kind of wing spot. Um, and then Jacob Groves has played a lot of minutes. You know, played a ton for Oklahoma with his brother. You know, being that stretch for, um, I'm not sure how much he'll play, but probably in the 15 to 20 minute per game range. So again, the the bench has a has a path to be good, uh, especially a guy like Gertrude can give you some some kind of offensive spark there.
0: Gertrude um, coming think. off an ACL.
1: Is he ready for the start of the season, or?
0: Sounds like he'll be
1: ready for the start of the season, but missed his senior year of high school. How do you get a
2: rankings bump then if he missed? I guess all based on AAU. Yeah. Usually those guys fall a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're buying Virginia, you're buying, you know, Ryan Dunn take, takes that jump as an NBA prospect. McNeely gets into that 13, 14 point per game range. Rody's good and Beekman's a, a best player on a good ACC team, but I'm 32. You said 24, right?
0: Yeah, I, 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 I do think if Virginia can keep everyone with Beekman after this year, they have a chance to be really, really good in 24, 25. And Dunn is like that 50/50 either way guy. Like they're they're starting to really build a talent wise. Ron Sanchez is back on staff that will help. So I, I think I'm bullish on the future at Virginia, despite you know I know there was a big conversation on Field of 68 like is is the Virginia way suitable for 2023? You know, can you develop players? Can you run pack line? And I think I think you I keep you guys. It's all about keeping guys. Yep.
2: And, you know, that's something that we, we should probably mention, right, is, you know, the reason why I sold Virginia two years ago is because, you know, they had all these new pieces, and you got to get guys into Tony Bennett's system multiple years. Last year, they had that. Uh, and even though they got a four seed, it still didn't feel right. It, it didn't didn't feel like they were the Virginia of, I guess, pre-COVID, um, or I guess pre-National Championship game that uh, Virginia. Um, this year they have like an interesting mix of guys back with new guys uh, so we'll see how that can translate
0: all right next up Duke 14 and 6 last year really came on down the stretch after some injuries early I think the exciting thing for Duke is they get a lot back this is the most I can really remember Duke bringing back talent wise experience wise and they were in a strong 2023 class for John Shire the piece, the, the 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 pieces are there to really contend for a national title, be a top five team. It's pretty much a consensus top three team in in the sport with Purdue, um, and, and Kansas. Jeremy Roach, the starting point guard, back. Tyrese Proctor, who came in with huge acclaim last year, struggled early, finished strong, back. Mark Mitchell, great defender, back. Kyle Filipowski, 15 and nine as a freshman, back. And then Ryan Young. I mean Ryan Young split time at center last year he's back he gets started at the five for them potentially so you know duke with experience is probably a scary thing filipowski coming off multiple hip surgeries is a little concerning but that's the type of guy who can be a first or second team all-american if he is healthy because we saw last year his combination of size and skill is just very rarely seen in the college game particularly as a sophomore and I, I just, I, I'm pretty bullish on what he can be if he's healthy. Um, I'm pretty bullish on what Tyrese Proctor can be as health. If he's healthy at six foot four, the ability to make shots, the ability to play in ball screens. And then they've got these young guards with Jer- Jared, McCain and Caleb Foster, who I think both have earned a ton of early buzz. Foster was never like that impressive to me in AAU. Um, so I, have kind of tempered my expectations despite seeing a lot of hype there. But McCain is a straight-up dog. Like, I really like Jared McCain as a scorer, shot maker. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see John Shire do what he can to play more of Filipowski at the five, Mitchell at the four, and get McCain on the floor with Roach and Proctor.
2: Yeah, everyone wants that lineup, but, like, this this lineup here was, a st- you know, the the lineup that you initially read off. That was their starting lineup for a lot, if not most, of last year not before Ryan Young gave way to Lively.
0: Wait, uh, do bring back five starters. is kind of a wild thing.
2: I know. And, you know, it, it's not like that was a bad team. It wasn't like it was a team that lacked talent. Like, Filipowski and Proctor could have been first-round picks. Although, what's, what's going on with the Filipowski double hip surgery? That, that was very bizarre,
1: and scary too. I I, I don't know the implications, but um, hips are fickle
2: things. It certainly doesn't sound good. But yeah, everyone's gonna want to put Ryan Young on the bench and you know try. Yeah, you know, they're 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 Kayla Foster people. I've seen some draft Twitter people have him as a first rounder. Obviously, Jared McCain is super highly acclaimed from USA Basketball, and a lot of people thought he was a better player than Bronny in California High School and all all that stuff. Um, And then there are certain segments of the population that love T.J. Power and Sean Stewart. I think Jeff Goodman's like a huge T.J. Power guy. Um, So, so, I mean, they have a bench that's going to have four or five stars on it. Um, They're returning all five starters. Two of which are NBA first-round prospects. So I
1: mean, this is a this is a mighty talented group.
0: Um, any concerns before we move on from Duke? I think we both pretty much agree this is a pretty awesome-looking team. Absolutely. All right, then that brings us to our fourth-place team from last year, which is. The Pittsburgh Panthers surprising year for Jeff Capel really out of the blue, um, given where the hot seat was. I mean, at this time last year, talking about Dior Johnson being the linchpin to Pittsburgh season, and oh, you know, they just took they took this stab at a point guard who you know nobody really wanted anymore to to fix this team and lost him, and it almost worked out better because they they really rallied around the group that they had. Just one of those teams where the hole was greater than the sum of the parts. Jamarius Burton and Blake Hinson had huge breakout years offensively, which we hadn't really seen in their previous destinations. They got steady play at the five from Federico Federico. Their offense was really tough to guard. And, you know, they won a lot of close games. Like, if you look back, they found ways to win. Three-point win against Virginia, two points against Carolina, two points against Syracuse. One point against Carolina, three against Miami, two against Wake. Like this team grinded out games, and they're going to have to do it a little differently, I think, this year with a, a very different looking group. They've had some tough offseason attrition, um, particularly losing Dior and also now an ACL injury for Papa Conte. Talents freshman is going to keep that'll keep him out for the year. So, down to 11 scholarship players, no point guard is really the, the question of the day. They have Jaland Lowe, top 100 freshman from Houston. A lot of people like him. He theoretically is the day one starting point guard, although Carlton Carrington from the DMV, who's more of a scorer, got, got some some run there in their international trip. They bring in the transfers at the two and the three. Ishmael Leggett from Rhode Island, Zach Austin from High Point. Um, but I think you do have to like the front court with Hinton at the four and then some combination of Fede Federico and the two Diaz-Graham twins. Uh, at the five. Yeah, so first on, just
2: forgot to mention on Duke, I, I am second nationally. Um, but now back back to Pittsburgh here. The conte I don't think it's a big blow for this year. Their front court was certainly a strength with the the, the uh, Diaz twins back and Hinson's a top 100 player in the sport. He's their best player. He's back at the four, and Federico started last year for his injury. Um, late in the year, so that's that's the one spot they they have depth. But you know, in a post COVID senior world, Papa Conte in 2028 is going to be looking at a nice NIL package as a fifth year senior. But then you know, we
1: we
2: we were talking last week about how like a lot of these transfer heavy teams have like a lot of fourth and fifth best players. I mean, if if you get a grad transfer in 2028, they're all going to be like broken down. Like they're all going to have like Achilles or knees or shoulders or something that, you know, a injury that kept him out. But but anyway, back on back on target. I was speaking to Tristan Freeman. He, he 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 took umbrage with me having them 12, and I've been 12 and 81st actually. So basically. Not not a great year. E- even before the D- Dior dismissal, I was kind of worried about the uh, starting backcourt. There, Leggett was just a starter on a very bad URI team. He was their best player. Um, I know Tristan's very high on Zach Austin. Uh, I know he's a big time athlete. Um, s- scored it well at high point as well. Uh, but I'm yeah. You know. in, in the transfer portal age, the Carlton Carrington. Ishlaget backcourt is going to rank among the bottom, you know, among all all high major teams. You know, you have a kind of a, end of the four star rankings guy starting, um, and then a guy who was a starter on a very bad A-10 team. Their depth is kind of shaky on the one through three one through three spot. It's a couple of freshmen. Jeffries, who's been hurt a lot, and then a guy who they just picked up, Mike Hewitt, that was just kind of a guy with a pulse out there. Um, so I think the the backcourt's what's holding me back. That's why I've been 12. But, you know, this this ACC between, for me at least, between 5 and even 13 where I have Boston College, there's not a whole lot of separation there. Yeah. You know, Kind of like last year where Pitt made that huge jump up. You know, They, they, ha- they have an unbalanced schedule in the ACC. You can rattle off some wins and end up making the tournament out of nowhere
0: yeah i have them 12th as well i have them 86th nationally um so we're actually more similar than i would have expected um yeah again i think there's some room to move up here i don't think all hope is lost but there's just too much uncertainty at the point and i I just don't really know where the baskets are coming from outside of Henson. so um i'm somewhat skeptical there moving on to clemson Clemson had a nice year. Brad Brunnell saved the job for another year. 23 and 11, 14 and 6 in the league. Metrics and some ghastly losses to South Carolina, Loyola, Chicago, Boston College, and Louisville kept them out, excuse me, of the N.C.A.A. tournament. But they bring back PJ Hall. They bring back Chase Hunter. Um, they bring back a couple of role players as well, like Ian Scheiflin, who played a lot last year down the stretch. And in the portal, they get Joe Girard in from from Syracuse, as well as Jack Clark from NC State. A couple guys who started in the league have a ton of experience. Um, I don't think this is like a super flashy Clemson team, but I think this is probably a team that should sit right on the bubble. Um, given that they have an experienced, talented backcourt, they have a very good pick and pop big in P.J. Hall. Um, and I mean, <laughs> it's funny to say, like they have a coach who's relatively proven it. Producing bubble teams. Like, this is kind of their thing. Whenever his back is against the wall,
2: it ends at making the tournament. I mean, they had, like, a Sweet 16 a few years ago. So, it, it, for, for for someone who's seen as such, like, a middle-of-the-road, me, you know, mediocre coach, they have, like, very sporadic finishes. You know, like, they can be amazing and make the Sweet 16. They can be on the bubble. They can be terrible. Um, but But for this team specifically, I mean... P.J. Hall had a great combine showing, right? He's he's widely considered to be, you know, like a top 25 player in the sport. You know, people are super in on him. And the one-two punch with him and Hunter, and you add a proven ACC transfer in Joe Girard, who I'm not sure how good he actually is. We know he can shoot, and we know he can score in the ACC. Uh, and it seems like that was a priority for Brownell to add a lot of shooting. And they they added Hyde Breder from Air Force. Who I know that you're not a fan of, um, that they Barry and Hemingway. So you know they have a lot of shooting. Shefflin was starting down the stretch last year, so that's a nice glue guy piece. Jack Clark was just starting on NC State. Um, I I really like RJ Godfrey as well. So they have they have some decent talent. That's a great one-two punch. I also have them just. Just missing the NCAA tournament, like top 50. I'm 47th. Yeah,
0: Fifth I'm, in the ACC. I'm 51. So I think that they might be your first team out, right? Yeah, potentially. I'd have to map it out. Where's where, where in the ACC do you have them? Fifth. Okay. Same here.
2: My my concern, I think, is you know I I know Brownell's a you know considered to be this great defensive coach. I don't really see why this team would be a great defensive team.
0: Yeah, they they have a l- lot of question marks on that end. They're not very athletic. They're very they don't have length really at the one or the two. Scheiflin and Hall are both like kind of below the rim athletes. So that would be the one concern.
1: Um, I, I guess the, the question would be if they come in 47th
2: or 51st. And, you know, this is one of the two or three teams that T-Rank actually likes with his preseason projections. He's in 34th. Um, but let's let's go with our our scenarios, right? If they come in 47th or 51st and they miss the nSA tournament n- narrowly, do we get one more year of Brad Brownell?
0: I mean, now would be the time to part ways, given Hunter and Hall are moving on. And Gerard, right? And Clark. Yes, yeah. that's four starters. But it's hard to really know. I mean, they could have moved on this year and didn't, so it was it was supposed to be NCAA tournament or bust. They missed the NCAA tournament and it wasn't bust, so um next up is NC State. NC State twenty three and eleven a season ago. Another like important bounce back year to make the NCAA tournament, this time for Kevin Keats. Um Lost in the first round to uh, Creighton, but really rode a very dynamic backcourt duo of Turquavion Smith and Jarquel Joyner, two like awesome shock creators uh, to the NCAA tournament. Those two are both gone, but they go into the portal and basically get the store brand versions of both DJ Horn from Arizona State, um, as well as Jaden Taylor from Butler. Um, the other exciting transfer for them is MJ Rice from Kansas, who was a top 50 recruit out of high school. Him and Casey Morcell will be really good on the wing for NC State. And they have some continuity up front with Ernest Ross and DJ Burns. All in all, I don't think this is a tournament team, but I was also like waiting for the other two to drop most of last year. And it wasn't a tournament team, right? I think the ceiling here is that MJ Rice has a big year. Um, Morcell can be, close to if not a best player and horn is more stable than he was at, an, at, at arizona state where he seemed to be in and out of the doghouse the intel on dj horn was not very good this spring um when you talk to coaches who are interested in potentially recruiting him um but i think that the roster is built in a similar way to do the, the do the things that NC state did well a season ago
1: yeah, this is a team that i'm very
2: conflicted on we were talking last week how I think this could be the kind of Georgia of this year where during portal combat, every move they made, it's like, Oh, you know, that's a nice move. That's a nice move. So in your head, you think NC State is doing really well. But then when you take a step back and look at the roster as a whole, you're kind of underwhelmed. I'm not quite there where they're going to have a year like Georgia did last year. I have them seventh in the ACC and 58th overall. So, you know, what, like a three seed in the NIT or something. Um, so, so pretty close to the tournament. Um, Casey Morcell is your best player, though that kind of scares me. He he had, he, he finally kind of took that step last year. Um, I, also, kind of I also I also think in. like
0: MJ Rice didn't play at all at Kansas. Right. Like, this was not like a, oh look how promising this freshman was. Like he got no run.
2: But also Kansas is one of the few places where that can happen, and you can still be. A True. great college basketball player.
0: True.
2: Less so, I think, than like Kentucky or Duke, but um, still, on 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 the table there. Um, we we know Burns is great in his role. Um, Jaden Taylor, again, like I you know, when 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 he commits to NC State, I'm like, okay, that's 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 a nice little move there by Kevin Keats. But Then like he wasn't even a full-time starter on a garbage Butler team. You know? DJ Horn you know, Arizona State makes the tournament last year, but like he's kind of a you know, he they 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 want him to score on guard, they got a score on guard. We'll see how much that really translates here. But you know, I think that they kind of what we were saying last week, they they have a lot of like fourth and fifth and sixth best players. and, and, and Kevin Keats he pushed all his chips in, he was desperate in the portal. He got a ton of dudes. He got, what, six, tra- seven transfers? He got...
0: Right, he, he got, took, like, Michael O'Connell from Stanford just as, like, a backup point guard just to have... took Cam Woods from A&T to be a backup two-guard. He took... You might have to sit. Ben Middlebrooks to be a third-string
2: center. Um, <laughs> like, he... He he was really desperate. He, He was, you know, leaving no stone unturned as many darts as he could get here. Um and I think that they're gonna fall just short of the NSA tournament.
0: Yeah, I have them eighth in the acc and a little lower nationally. I think I have them in the sixties nationally. Let me confirm that. On the yes. paper they should be able to really score the ball. I mean six six sixty nationally.
2: DJ Burns is a great post scorer. Rice with his pedigree, Marcel double figures last year, Taylor and Horn. Um they they have a lot of scores. I don't really see how this all comes together, but it's kind of a mishmash when, when you add seven transfers, but I think they'll just miss. Uh, and I guess the same question here for NC State. Uh, I'm guessing Keats is okay if they miss, given they made it last year.
0: I think I think if they miss narrowly, yes. If they miss, obviously no. Like if they if they don't make the NIT, I think it could be hot. Yeah.
1: And you, you spoke on
2: Cam Woods' need need for a waiver. I don't think so far we've encountered many waiver guys. I guess we should call that out. Um, yeah. As I said last week, I'm going with I I'm assuming all waivers are granted
1: until told otherwise. Um. But. Until we know, we just got to guess, I guess.
0: Um, That brings us to North Carolina. Carolina, 20 and 13 last year from preseason number one to missing the NCAA tournament. You guys all know the story. Caleb Love inefficiency, Pete Nance bust, no bench, Hubert Davis struggles. You know, the list goes on and on. So, that being said, Carolina goes into the offseason. They ditch Caleb Love. They lose, obviously, Nance and Leaky Black to graduation. And retool around the two guys coming back. Armando Baycott, their star fifth-year senior, as well as R.J. Davis, who was amazing in that Final Four run two years ago. He comes back with Baycott, and and you're thinking, okay, this is going to be ball screen Davis with Baycott. And the pieces around him, guys like Cormac Ryan from Notre Dame, low usage shooter and cutter, Harrison Ingram, low usage ball mover wing who can really pass. Right. Like th- those are the moves you're making. And then all of a sudden you add a twist. You had Elliot Cato, one of the best passers in the EYBL, but also a guy that needs the ball and a guy that it seems like is projecting as Carolina's starting point guard. We're moving RJ Davis off the ball. Given what we know about reclass point guards. That feels like a huge risk and a risk that could define Hubert Davis's tenure in North Carolina. This is a huge year. There's no escaping it, right? I don't know if he's getting fired, if they miss the NCAA tournament or not, but this thing needs to get back on the tracks in a hurry. And Cato is a fun player to watch, but is he ready to run the show that I wonder about? Um, I also wonder depth-wise, they don't have a lot of shooting off the bench. Um, took Jalen Withers, that was a weird one. James Conquo from West Virginia was a bit of a weird one as well. There's enough talent overall here to, for a team that would be pretty good, I think. I think the starting five is very interesting. But this backcourt duo will, will be something I'm watching very closely. And, of course, Davis's coaching abilities after really two disappointing seasons and one amazing month.
2: Right, so UNC is one of one of, I guess we'll say, the three teams in the ACC that T-Rank likes. T-Rank has them thirteenth, which is way too rich for my blood. I'm thirtieth. But yeah, I mean, the the key inflection point here, right, is people seem to think this is the reclassified point guard that's going to work. You know, Ashton Hagens was disappointing, but Ultimately, he was a very good player, you know, by his second year. But his his first year was disappointing. You know, um, I can't even think of his name. The guy from Indiana who, like, disappeared to Western Kentucky. Reclassified point guard. Anything?
0: Oh, uh, Christian Lander.
2: Christian Lander. I mean, he, he was a disaster. Um, the, the, You know, maybe the... The one that actually worked in terms of reclassified point guards was Marcus Howard, um, and that was because he was just firing threes and he does not miss. Um, but, yeah, everything is really riding on Elliot Cadeau here. Um, they're g- seemingly giving him the keys by all accounts. He ended up being like a top like five player, I think, in the class of 23, even after reclassing. So um, he'll have a lot of expectations there. It's also do or die time for Harrison Ingram. Um, you know, we've touched on him repeatedly, but um, can
1: he be
2: more effective as the glue guy, as that third best or fourth best player on this team? Will that kind of un- un- unleash the Harrison Ingram we've all been waiting for since U19? And will they have enough shooting there with? who fills out the lineup in the bench with Cormac Ryan and Jalen Withers and Paxson Wojcik. And I guess the, you know, another, wouldn't say X-Factor, but another key guy, right? Seth Trimble, top 50 guy, kind of withering away on the bench after last year. And they take Kadoa, Kadoa over him. um, But, you know, at the end of the day, Baycott's like, what, a top five player in the country. Davis is like a top thirty player in the country. This is an incredibly talented starting lineup, top top to bottom. It's it experienced, you got shooting, you have playmaking, you have scoring. There is no excuses this year. And and even if 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 they come in thirtieth like where I have them, I'm not sure where you said that you you had them, but that would even be a little disappointing for this talent level. I
0: have them twenty first nationally. Um I think I think if you don't rank them, you're really saying something about Hubert, right? And we've talked about this. Like, right? there's certain things where, like, you look at it and you're like, okay, like, that's saying something about how you perceive the coach. And I think I think this is one of them. I think if you're not ranking Carolina, you're saying you're really questioning Hubert, and that's fine because Hubert deserves the questions after after what happened last year. But as you said, two elite players in Davis and and Baycott, elite recruit in Cato, two high level transfers, and guys who know how to play in a system. and and Cormac Ryan and Harris Ingram, And and I think also, most importantly, they've addressed the problems, on paper, at least, right? Like, I I do give Hubert Davis credit in that if you look at what what went wrong for them last year, he has addressed those concerns stylistically with with the way that they built this roster. Will it work? Is anybody's guess? So, anything else on the Tar Heels, Brad, before we move on to our next team, which is uh, Wake Forest?
2: Go ahead with the uh, Demon Deacons.
0: All right, the Deeks missed the postseason last year, but Steve Forbes, the point guard whisperer, continues. Tyree Appleby had a huge year. He moves on. Hunter Salas, the next one and arguably the most talented one, former five-star recruit coming in from Gonzaga. He is the guy with the ball in his hands, and a lot rides on him to be the player he was touted as a recruit, He made an impact last year, Gonzaga as a defender, as a ball mover, but not as a playmaker. And that's the role I think you're looking at for him this year. Um, They also have a big waiver looming with Efton Reed started his career at LSU. Didn't get off the bench really at Gonzaga. This is a guy who supposedly looks very, has looked very good in practice. um, Is a guy who, um, I think has a chance to be a plus starter in the ACC if he's allowed to play, but needs to be cleared, two-time transfer, um, non-grad, no coaching change. Like, haven't seen, like, what the case is. We'll see what they're able to accomplish there. Because I like what they have two through four. Cam Hildreth, really good, two-way combo guard. Demario Monsanto is a shooter. They have Andrew Carr uh, as well from Delaware, who had a nice year. Even, like, working your way down, like, they have Parker, Parker Friedrichson, freshman as a shooter, Booby Miller from Central Michigan as a scorer off the bench, Abramo Konko from UCLA, good, like, combo, you know, combo forward, playmaker, roll of the dice. They've got a lot of interesting pieces here off the bench. The talent level is slowly rising, but a lot on Salas and Reed, the two Gonzaga kids, and one may not be eligible. Right, Salas, I didn't realize this. I was looking through 20, or
2: 247 rankings – couple days ago on not on the composite but on 247 he was the 10th ranked recruit in this class that's like he should be averaging as a junior you know 15 and five and six you know he should be acc all you know first team all all league i mean if if they can get that and, and, and there's nothing from his time at gonzaga that would indicate that he that he can do that this year um, but we'll see how the Hunter salas show turns out. Uh, you, you mentioned their two through four is rock solid. Hill just had a monster year last year. Monsanto's been good throughout the Forbes, you know, back, back at East Tennessee and everything. Carr had a great year last year. I I know a lot of people like Marsh too, but Reed just gives him such a higher upside. He's such a talented offensive player. You know, kind of like Salis, he You you wouldn't have expected it by how he played at Gonzaga last year. But he started as a freshman at L S U with Will Wade. He he can, he can shoot three, he score, lose back to the basket. He, you know, he, he's a skilled player and he'll be way more featured if he gets in into the into this Wake Forest lineup. Um and then this bench is interesting. I mentioned Marsh if Reed is eligible, Marsh will come off the bench. You mentioned Conca, who's an international guy from UCLA, can shoot it. Um, Kevin Miller, I saw a lot of people seem to like. I don't know if that was a statistical thing or what. From Central Michigan, he's an undersized scoring guard. Um, guys like Parker Fredrickson and Aaron Clark were right around the top of 100 as well. So um, a couple interesting pieces there. But I have, I have Wake Forest. You know. Basically from Clemson, right? so I have Clemson at number five in f- 51st overall. Um, and I have Wake ninth at 62. So I, I you know, that's, that's a very loaded ACC kind of 11 teams right there. But 62... Have, Go ahead, sorry.
0: I have Wake ninth, but 73rd overall.
2: And I think the reason why I would say that this, this is not an NSA tournament team or just just kind of summing it up quickly is I don't think Hunter Salas from from what we've seen so far is going to be like a stud creator all ACC point guard. Yep. And I think without him playing that role this team's going to you know, you know like he'll just be more of a Secondary guy, like a Joe Ingles type of guy. Monsanto's a shooter. You know, you know, they need his
0: shot creation. They
2: need alpha play from Hunter Salas. I don't think they're going to get
0: him. All right, next up, we have Syracuse. Syracuse, Jim Boeheim, era over. Finally, he moves on. Adrian Autry taking over. Some reasons for optimism here. Just like Coming off a pretty rough year ranked 118th in Ken Palm. They bring back Judah Mintz. This was a draft decision that I think few people expected would go Syracuse's way until the very end. And they found a way to get it done. Um, brought in JJ Starling from the portal from Notre Dame. Great buy low on a former top fit, top 50 recruit who had a very solid freshman year with the fighting Irish. Um, also brought in Chance Westry from Auburn, who was a top 50 recruit. Um, Lots of athleticism on the wings with Chris Bell, Benny Williams, Malik Brown, Justin Taylor, Quittier Copeland. Questions at the five, they bring in Naheem McLeod from Florida State. This is a team that seems much more built to play zone than, quite frankly, the teams that have played zone uh, at Syracuse in the past. Um, But it also seems like Adrian Autry wants to play man. So curious to see how they defend. Um, That being said... Hard not to be excited about this backcourt. And, Brad, I, I don't know if there was a team that I differed more, at least in the power power conference ranks, that I differed more on their preseason T-rank than Syracuse. Syracuse is like 138 in preseason T-rank.
2: 140.
0: Which yeah. seems absurdly low for a team with a J.J. Starling-Judamins backcourt.
2: The uh, numbers are saying that this is going to be an absolute trash can defense. 194 in defense. I don't. I don't see that. And um it could be because their defense has been so bad in recent years. But I mean, they have positional size and length and athleticism at every spot. Obviously, M- McLeod is huge. But like, the more I think, and and, and and so is Hema. Uh, but the more I think about it, I, you know, if they're actually going man, then I think that we'll get a lot of Malik Brown at the five. I think that should be a good switchable man-to-man lineup. I mean, Mintz is a potential American. He's like a potential first-round draft pick. Starling was a five-star. I have Syracuse missing the tournament, but I have them very close. I have them at sixth in the ACC and 52nd
1: overall.
0: They've got some interesting potential breakout candidates here. I mean, if you're just looking at... Prior production, you say Chris Bell, Malik Brown, and Justin Taylor all freshmen last year. Chris Bell shoots, you know, has set, averaged seven points a game, forty percent from the field. Malik Brown six points, five rebounds, seventy percent from the field, and Justin Taylor four points, two rebounds. Got it, you know, a guy known as a shooter didn't shoot great as a freshman. Those, those are numbers that tend to come up, like. Those are guys you would peg as potential breakouts. And you add in Starling, who was you know, quite good last year at points for Notre Dame. Obviously, that team was so bad. But J.J. has a freshman average 11 points per game, shot 42% for the field. Combine that with Judah Mintz. I mean, this, this team's got a lot of firepower. And uh, I'm, I'm much closer to where you have them. Judah Mintz could be one of the best guards in the country. I mean, look, he's not a great shooter. He has his flaws, but was a guy who averaged 16 points, four and a half rebounds, four assists. Excuse me, two rebounds, four and a half assists. On relatively good efficiency as a freshman in the ACC. That's not easy.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I,
2: I still can't believe they have him one fortieth. 40th. I, I wonder if that's because two of the starters, Starling and, and McLeod were on terrible teams last year. Like Florida State and Notre Dame were, were not good. But even, I mean, that still seems, seems ridiculous. I mean, they're bringing back three starters, but yep.
1: let's see.
0: All right, next up in our ACC preview, humming along whenever
1: my standings reload. All right.
0: Next team in the ACC that we have to get to here is Boston College. Boston College, 9-11 last season. They had a weird year. Their fans were ecstatic. Early. Yes. Lost to Maine early, lost to Tarleton early, lost to New Hampshire. It looked like it was going to be a train wreck. But got Quentin Post back. Quinton Post, who was, you know, really, really good down low for, for this team last year. Once he was healthy, this team was different. You go 9-11 and 11 in the league, finish strong. Two years in a row that they finished strong. And I think some real optimism here for the Earl Grant era. Certainly I don't think the talent level is like overwhelming by any means, but you bring back Jaden Zachary, bring back Mason Manson, bring back Post at the five. Prince of League Bay had a nice freshman year. Charleston Southern transfer Faudell Harris at two, potentially. Do they have enough, Brad, to play their way into the postseason picture?
2: No, I have them thirteenth and eighty eighth overall, which is still a pretty big jump from last year. That's like a seventy spot jump, um which may be too aggressive, but you know as as you mentioned, Quentin post missed a lot of last year, League Bay missed a lot of time. Uh, I think Demar Langford missed a lot of time, so um,
1: at least you know Post should be. Would it be too disrespectful to say... Uh, cause I, he was, like,
2: really good last year. Like, a top 15 player in the conference. But that's your best player. Like, I've never really seen it with Jaden Zachary. I know a lot of the NBA guys like him as a sleeper. League Bay should have a nice sophomore breakout. McLaughlin and, and Payne you know, and Madsen, too, cut their teeth a lot last year. But uh, I think... oh. Overall, a talent level is low compared to those other middle of the pack
0: ACC teams that we went through. Yeah, so I'm I'm quite a bit higher. So I, I have I have BC 81st nationally, 11th in my preseason standings. Like I I know it's not I know it's not like overwhelming talent wise, and I I do think you're like you're you're right that the the, the they'll likely finish 10 i I think probably a little higher than where I have them. But they've been feisty now two years in a row. They've got some continuity. I think they have just enough. And again, like when 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 they had Quentin Post last year, 19 games, that all all the bad ones were without him. New Hampshire, Tarleton, Maine, all those games didn't have. But he comes back in league play, and they were feisty. Like he makes a huge difference for them with, with what they're able to do. Both ends of the floor because he's very skilled. He can pick and pop. He can pass. So I think I'm buying that this is a team that maybe plays in the NIT. I don't think they're a tournament team, but
1: I mean, I I could see it. I mean, with with the continuity,
2: you know, post being a top 15 player. Right, like in terms of best players, I think you you, you would rather have Blake Hanson. I think you maybe not Casey Morcel, but you would probably rather have Miles Kelly. You, you know, some of these other middle of the pack teams I think have better top end talents. Yeah. So not out of the question, but I wouldn't be betting on it.
0: 13 for me. But. All right, moving on to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Kind of a strange down year last year started so promisingly. um They were 11 and 1 heading into ACC play, and then lost seven straight. Had some injuries in that mix. Had some just really brutal close losses: BC in overtime, Wake by two, Clemson by three, NC State by four, Clemson by one. Like this thing could have been a lot different with a couple of different results. I mean, but but the defense was a struggle. Um, and the depth was was a bit of a concern, particularly when Hunter Couture was out. They just didn't have enough firepower. Um, some, some signs of, of intrigue here. Sean Padula back. He's one of the better better returning guards in this in this co- conference. And I think has a chance to be a top-tier guard in college basketball this year, um, just given his pedigree and experience. Um, and then they went in the portal and, and probably went under the radar with, with, with the additions they made. Uh, Robbie Barron, big six nine kid with some skill. I can struggle with Big Ten physicality, but maybe in this Virginia Tech system has a bounce back, Virginia native. Um, he he and Tyler Nickel from North Carolina, I think will battle it out for the power forward spot. Um, they also added Makai Long from Old Dominion, who's like a big slashing forward. So really remade this front court. It'll be interesting to see the dynamic between Long, Barron, Nickel, and Lynn Kidd. Um, but I'm, I think I'm bullish on, I'm relatively bullish on this group, kind of bouncing back here, with Padula, Couture, Rodney, Rice in the backcourt, uh, and all these interesting faces up front.
2: But I think if they'll play in the NIT, I have them, like, like all these ACC teams, pretty yeah. much. You know, let me pull up the exact. I have them eighth and 59th nationally.
0: Yeah, I got him 62nd nationally, but 6th, or 7th, excuse me, in the league. So I guess framing this as why I don't think that they make
2: the NCAA tournament. I mean, Grant Pasilli Grant was a monster last year. Like, that was kind of a, no one really foresaw that. And that they had injury, you know, Hunter, Hunter Couture had, like, that wrist injury. Um, Rodney Rice was, like, never healthy the whole whole year. Maddox wasn't. The the breakout guy that we thought. But just... I don't think they did enough in the portal. And and I like, in a vacuum, the Tyler Nickel ad. And the Makai Long ad. And the Robbie Barron ad. But, you know, kind of like what I was saying with NC State. When you take the step back... You really need Rodney Rice to be top 50... Recruit good, like, right away. Like, 12, 13 points a game. And then you look at that five spot, and Kidd and Poteet were kind of bench guys last year. They need to take that step up. But I think the starting lineup that we're all thinking, right, with Padula, Couture, Rice, Barron, and Kidd, I think that's lacking at- athleticism. And I know that's that's why they added Long but how, how much is, like, Long going to play o- over any of those guards? Like, they need the shooting for those guards. It's, I think that's kind of what doomed them last year, right? It was a lack of athleticism. And Long is, is so one-dimensional. I don't know. You know, kind, kind of like all these rosters, it's like the talent level just doesn't measure up to the middle of the pack teams in the SEC or the yes. Big Ten or even the Big East at this point.
0: Right, and no, like, all these middle teams are, I think, relatively similar. The question will be, will they clump in the 40s and 50s, 50s and 60s, 60s and 70s and 70s and 80s? If they clump in the 70s and 80s, it's a year like last year. If they clump in the 40s and 50s, it's much closer to the ACC of so, um Next up, we have Florida State. Florida State, I think people's optimism last year for Florida State was blown away immediately. I mean, this was a team that I think you saw some people even say, Oh, this should be a potential top 25 team. Uh, if nothing else, this was like a, there's buzz that this will be an NCAA tournament team. And they'll bounce back. They lost to Stetson, Troy, Sienna. Um, they got demolished by Sienna. Yeah. Sienna by 17. On Thanksgiving. Yes. It was a beautiful thing. Um, but all this in route to a nine and twenty-three year. Yes, they had a ton of injury, injuries. Cameron Fletcher out for the year after ten games. Uh, Naheem McLeod missed a little bit of time. Bobby Miller missed the first half of the year. Um, Deontay Green had some missed some time. Right, they had a ton, a ton of injuries. But it didn't ever really get better. Like there was one stretch, I think, where you said to yourself, "Okay, maybe here, maybe, and maybe Florida State is really turning the corner." But like, not only did they not get better, like, they were getting worked by the end of the year. I mean, there were some straight-up non-competitive games. They lost by 22 to Virginia Tech to close the regular season. They lost by 40 to Clemson in mid-February. They lost by 38, 28 to NC State in early February. Like they, This team got demolished a lot in a bad league. And well, well, you know.
2: People were saying because, you know, they had like seven guys for the first, whatever, 10 games. And they were like, oh, well, just wait until they get their guys back. But the guys that were hurt were the end of the bench guys. Right. There's like Jalen Ganey, Deante Green. You know, the guys who they had were all their starters. And, th- and then Cam Fletcher gets hurt. And sorry, go on.
0: Yes. No, you're, you're correct. So. that That is an interesting kind of springboard into this team because. This was not like a absurdly active portal for Florida state. They added Primo Spears from Georgetown who is quickly earning the losing player reputation after a disastrous year at Duquesne, a disastrous year at at Georgetown. Uh, He needs a waiver. That's a, that's a big question mark with this group. Will he be eligible? Even if he is, is he a winning player, right? This is kind of a Roger Bolton 2.0. Um, he was the one who raised alarms in, in March because he scheduled a birthday party in Connecticut for um, like midway through the Big East tournament, assuming that Georgetown would be done. Now, that was a good assumption. But um, like who is Primo Spears and what does he do to contribute to winning? That's a ma- major question They had Jameer Watkins from VCU, good player, long wing, can shoot it. Not sure like how impactful he is. Josh Nickelberry coming in as well. They'll get Ganey healthy up front. That'll help a little bit. And then Taylor Bull-Bowen, highly rated recruit coming in. But it feels like we're really betting on internal improvement here and betting on Baba Miller, betting on Cameron Corin. betting on Cameron Fletcher. Those guys need to really take the step. And they still haven't an answered the point guard question, which has plagued them the last couple of years.
2: And Fletcher coming off the injury. It's funny cuz with Watkins I think you'd say yeah he's a Florida State type of player but you know a lot of these you know it, it, maybe this is selective memory on my part but when i think of the Florida State type of wing yeah it's that mold but it's Jonathan Isaac it's Dwayne Bacon it's these like super highly touted uh and, well, and now I, I guess in fairness like Devin Vassell was was not a highly regarded recruit at all and he was awesome but we've seen Watkins at BCU and he's in some ways the exact opposite of himself, where he's not really a shooter, but he, he has good playmaking skills in that position right here. Yep. They, they add Nickelberry as as you said, that's probably a bench piece, because I would assume Worley and Green start together in the backcourt. This is... We'll, we'll try the Jalen Worley thing again. Again, he's the Florida State size. He just hasn't put it together yet. And I know Rostin last year was all in on Chandler Jackson. Um Bowen has kind of slipped in the rankings and obviously Baba Miller was, you know, super highly touted from the international play and he played well internationally again this year. It's just you know, can't it translate. I think he'll be playing center this year, at least more center. Um we'll see if that can un- unlock his skill set. But you know he he's not really again this could be slight memory again but when i think of florida state centers under under Leonard, Leonard hamilton yes they're very tall but it's like the jean-marc creese kumaje and boris Bojanovsky and michael ojo like they they're legit bigs and they you know Bojanovsky and Koprovica had skill and mobility and ojo and kumaje had length and physicality but I, I don't remember a Florida State big like handling the ball and you know tr- tr- trying to be a wing at the center spot.
0: Well, I guess the only the only thing I would say on Florida State in positive spin, and I have them outside the top one hundred, so I'm not. Buying Ooh. Them, do you have them in? Yeah, I'm,
2: i I guess I have them super high. I have
1: them 67th, 10th in the ACC.
0: By adding Primo Spears and Jameer Watkins to a 200th ranked team, maybe well, Jamir Primo Spears.
1: Well, I'm I'm buying,
2: you know, that that Worley won't be bad. You know, he won't be a top 40 recruit type good, but he'll be a fine starter. You know, you get year two of Darren Green. The defense should be good on paper, and Baba Miller getting, you know, maybe ten and five or something
1: but, but so, again,
0: not, not not living up to the hype. so here would be my here would be my optimist take on Florida state we're out of we, we, we're not really a patient college basketball world anymore and there's a lot of these type of guys whether it be fletcher whether it be warley whether it be baba where it just feels like i've heard enough about them and they haven't been good yet but there's plenty of guys who do break through, right? Florida state has a lot of these kind of last chance guys. And maybe this is the year that some of these guys really take the step because I'm hearing hearing about some of these, some of them for a bit,
1: but I'm out. I'm, I mean, this is full prove it for me. I, I think that the defense will be good. I think
2: the the offense will, will, will be a train wreck. Um, but I think in college basketball with that length and athleticism. I I I thought I, I was being a little down on Florida State having them sixty seventh and tenth. I Maybe I I assumed, I'm the
0: one maybe I'm the one who's just like absurdly out on them compared to consensus, but
2: I assume most people would have them back in the tournament, given L- Leonard Hamilton the benefit of the doubt and kind of a bounce back and or breakout for guys like Worley and Miller and
1: Call winning guys like that.
0: But. Anyway. We shall see. All right. Next is Georgia Tech. we got three more teams to get to. Appreciate y'all sticking with us. Georgia Taking Tech. Great time. 15 and 18 last year. The end of the Josh Pastner era. Because it seems like Josh Pastner's a heck of a guy. But I do think this program's in good hands with Damon Stoudemire. Um And I think there's, there's real upside here um, that wasn't necessarily there under Pastner. They lose a few critical pieces from last year's team, but bring back Miles Kelly, their leading scorer and bring in some pretty interesting portal pieces um, in the backcourt in particular um, Amari Abram from Ole Miss averaged eight a game as a freshman. Um, that's a, that's an interesting ad. Kowasi Reeves from Florida, uh, from Florida, excuse me, six, eight wing, former highly regarded recruit Intel wasn't great there, but, you know where these swing swing for the fences talent that you're not easily able to acquire else otherwise if you're Damon Stoudemire. uh and then Taison Claude from Western Carolina will plug in at the 5 spot um that's a very very critical um but that, that that that's a critical piece for them they need him to stabilize that position it took some shots on some Late freshman as well, Nate George, Ibrahima Sacco, uh, uh, Bay and Dongo, and then also got Tafari Gapari from the portal. So I don't know that this team is tournament talented, but they're probably close enough to it where this could be that, like, surprise first-year coach that sneaks into the tournament picture. You took
2: took the words right out of my mouth. Every time I look at this Georgia Tech team, I think I want to move them up. I mean, there's – There's a lot of scoring pop here. There's a lot of shooting. The the front court's a question mark, certainly. But, I mean, Miles Kelly's like a top, fringe top 100 player. He shit, you know, shot the crap out of it. Um, Dallin Coleman had a good year. People really like Amari Abram. He was also a great recruit. They're taking a flyer on Kohasi Reeves. I like that. And then the front court's going to be a little smaller if they go. Gabri, he's a freak athlete. You mentioned Claude had a good year in Mid Major Land, and then Duona was a starter at NC State. So
0: Capara did not have a good year in Mid Major Land, to be clear. No, Claude did. Oh, sorry. Capara is just an athlete. Capara did nothing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's a freak athlete who flies around. Um, but you know, we we were talking last time how I think Vanderbilt is the Kansas State of this year. You know, maybe it's cheating again because I I, I I put Vanderbilt close to the tournament, but not in. I think if I had to pick a second team, that would be that. I, I'd say Georgia Tech. We know is a good coach from his time at Pacific and overachieving. That's such a difficult job there. He's been in the NBA. He has both the player and coach NBA background now. The, this backcourt is really good.
0: I don't know about the true point guard. Abram's not really a true point
2: yeah but i i i always reject when people say true point guard like at the end of the day if if your point guard can create shots for himself or others, I think that's fine or true capital o r
0: true um I've got georgia tech seventy fourth nationally and cal seventy fifth to give you a scale
2: I have them sixty eighth and eleventh but I may be moving them up
0: okay I may move them. I just don't know who to bump. Like I don't know that I can put him below wake or above wake. But I do want to just like be different and pick them like sixth in the league and see what happens.
1: I ever. Re- I, I really want to
2: buy this sort of Tech stuff. I want a bunch of his life. Yep.
0: Um all right, two more teams. Notre Dame. Disastrous year. Three and seventeen in the league, eleven and twenty-one overall. Coaching change, Mike Brace, pseudo retires gets pushed out the door, make one of the best hires of the offseason. Micah shrewsbury from Penn State. Everybody likes Micah shrewsbury Great offensive mind, genius, yada yada yada. We we have spoken high highly of this hire at you know at, at length, multiple times on the show. If you listen back, you hear, let's talk about how much we like Micah shrewsbury That being said, the roster for this year is no good. In fact, it is very, 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 very bad. It is probably the worst in power five just on paper. They lose. Everyone, essentially. They lose Cormac Ryan, JJ Starling, Marcus Hammond, Dane Goodwin, Nate Lashevsky, Trey Wirtz, Van Allen Lubin, that whole group, all gone. If you look, um, if you look at total production returning, and I'm pulling up this tweet because I tweeted it earlier this offseason. Notre Dame
1: in total brings back
0: Three returners who each averaged under three points per game, total, not each, total, the three returners averaged three points per game last year. They bring in three transfers, one who averaged 4.4 4 points per game at Notre Dame, one who averaged 3.4, or Northwestern, excuse me, one who averaged 3.4 points per game at Penn State, one who averaged 2.8 points per game at Seton Hall. Um, and then four freshmen,
1: only one of whom is top fi- top 150. It's unfathomable. And you know, we we've, we've mentioned so much. that I don't want to keep you know harping
2: on this until the season starts and we get some results. But like we just saw, you know, we went through the, the whole ACC. There are 13 teams in really 14 rosters, that you can say, okay, this roster, this team, I can see a path to this team being okay or being good, right? And you can extend that to every league. A vast In a portal era, these high major teams can just build a roster that gives themselves a chance every year. So Notre Dame has a few limitations academically, but yes, I agree with you. So, are the limitations, like,
0: worse than, like, Georgetown? I don't – yes, I I think so. I don't think they can really take transfers outside of freshmen and grad students.
1: I was going to say, like, Seton Hall is not, like, a big academic school, right?
0: No, but they can take them because they only have one year of credits down – and most of it's like Janet's that can transfer.
2: Uh. Well, then I don't know how this <laughs> MacA Shrewsbury is going to work out. I mean, I I guess it's good that they got a ball coach. But, but it makes you wonder why he would leave Penn State after just making the tournament there. I mean,
0: they're going to be able to recruit high school fresh high school kids really well, I think.
2: And they got Sir Sir Muhammad, who's a nice pickup. People, you know, his stats this summer were kind of underwhelming, but I guess they, they they let him play point guard and I guess it went went pretty well. Um, and they added sh- a shooter Coulserda. They they added somebody else too. Um, On the wolves, yeah. That that I can't think of off the top of my head. But, uh yeah. For I guess academic reasons or other reasons, they just couldn't put a competitive roster together, which is really gonna really gonna come back and bite them. It's gonna be an ugly year.
0: Yeah, so only notes on Notre Dame I would have, like, for this year are, one, can Marcus Burden be, like, the point guard of the future? Number two, can Kerry Booth look like a star but not be a surprise one and done? And number three, are any of these returners worth anything? Like, is J.R. Canizzi going to turn into a rotation player? Nice I had a Notre Dame fan tell me they thought he would be the leading scorer, so.
1: No, he won't.
0: He's like,
2: he's like, tr- tr- trying to think of like a good, good comparison. I mean, I mean, like if you remember like Austin Etherington, who played on like the Tom Crean Indiana teams. Like he's a, you now he's probably a better athlete than Etherington was, but like, um, he's he's a he he's a glue guy. Like he's a, he didn't shoot it or score it at all. He's a, you know he. Uh, He's he's a Brock Cunningham.
1: That that's a, a an apt comparison. I think.
0: I have Notre Dame last. I have them in the one fifty to two hundred range nationally. And I thought about it being worse, but I just couldn't do any lower for a Sharice Berry team.
2: Yeah, I have them um, last place, and I didn't. I didn't rank past 100, so. I believe
0: the Weave floated a – or at least one member of the Weave floated a Notre Dame versus Louisville ACC finish bet as, like, the ultimate roster versus coach thing. I think it has to be Louisville.
2: But, like, it will be interesting. We did that a few months ago, I think. I think we both said Louisville. Yeah. But speaking of
0: Louisville. Louisville, Kenny Payne, weird, weird first year, worst first year you could possibly imagine. They do flip the roster and make, I think, it, make it clearly better. Trey White from USC, Dennis Evans and Sky Clark. And, you know, the freshman they'd already committed with Curtis Williams and Caleb Glenn. Emmanuel Karafer had a good summer. Like there's, There are some pieces here. But we're running into the same problems we had last year. We have one ball hand, one true ball hand on Sky Clark. We don't know what Tyler Johnson's eligibility situation will be. We've got lots of combo forwards. We've got a lack of shooting. And we've got a point guard who's – I mean, is there a guy who's going to have more on his plate than
2: Sky
1: Clark this year? Maybe Marcus Burton. But, but Clark will have the microscope. I mean, this this team has very little shooting.
2: You know, shooting was an afterthought. It's got a lot of length. It's got a lot of athleticism.
1: It's got a lot of pedigree. But this is going to be a difficult task for Sir clark People seem to think he's going to be good. And I've also heard. I think
2: Sam Vecini was saying on a pod that he heard Trey White was the best player by far. So, and, and then we know Michael James had had a good year last year. So maybe this is coming together. I doubt it. I think that they're going to be outside the top 100 again. I mean, it's going to be crazy. Like if they, I don't know if they're playing a a non-secret scrimmage exhibition game. You know, like a game against like a D2 team, or whatever. But if they were to lose again after last year, I mean, that would be incredible preseason content. I don't see why they would, right? Like, optically.
1: Because they're huge. Like
2: De- Dennis Evans is huge. Holy no, no, Hammond no. It's huge. Like, they
1: should not play a D2. Just, like, for, like,
0: do not risk it. You can play against, like, if you play a high major and you get blown out, it's okay.
1: Well, we'll have to see what they did. I wonder if their non, non-con is out. Let's see. Where we go basketball schedule. Uh, I don't think they're not
2: in Connors out yet. Yeah, last year? <laughs> yeah, I, I clicked on their schedule from last year. It opened up on October 30th here. They yeah. lost to Lenore Ryan
0: 57-47. Oh, man. Um, 47 points. That was unbelievable. So we will learn a lot about Louisville, if nothing else, by the second week of the year when they play. Some combination of UConn, Indiana, and Texas. I don't think they have to win those games, but they have to be competitive.
1: Absolutely, and I think I think that they have Texas first,
2: uh, and that's a monster defense they're they're going up against, and a very experienced group. So, yeah, I I, I don't expect them to win. Either of those two games, but you know, like last year, like in, in the uh, Maui Invitational and stuff, like they were just getting routed. You know, they and that extended, you know, throughout their, their uh, non-con, right? They they were losing by twenty points
1: consistently, and they have no like, that the effort was terrible.
0: Absolutely, but, so. I have Louisville one thirty nine nationally,
2: and I have them sub one hundred.
0: So, I'll do my standings real quick just to recap it. Um, that was, I have Duke, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson, Syracuse, six, Virginia Tech, seven, NC State, eight, Wake, nine, Georgia Tech, 10, BC, 11, Pitt, 12, Florida State, 13, Louisville, 14, and Notre Dame, 15. That's five NCAA tournament teams Duke, Miami, Carolina, Virginia, and Clemson. And then a bunch of teams that could be in that mix in that second tier.
2: So I have four tournament teams. I have Duke, Miami, UNC, and Virginia. And then I have a big clump here. Clemson at five. Cuse at six. NC State at seven. Virginia Tech at eight. Wake Forest at nine. Florida State at ten. I think I'm going to move Georgia Tech to ten. Then Georgia Tech at 11. Pitt at 12. Boston College at 13, and then bringing up the rear, Louisville at, at, and uh, Notre Dame. 14.
0: I will 14. say it's interesting. I don't feel like we've talked a lot about like NC State, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech this off season. And so the fact that we came out as similar as we did, obviously there's certain level of groupthink that comes from me and you just doing thing, talking all off season together about teams. But I think those we haven't mentioned a lot. And we still wind up in the same spot. So.
2: Just a lot of shrugs. I mean, I coming into last year, I thought the SEC was going to be the best league in the country. And now teams like Florida and Ole Miss and LSU, who I thought would either make the NCAA tournament or be close, they were not. Um, Kentucky disappointed. Arkansas was hurt. That kind of out outweighed the surprises from Missouri and whatnot. And I think SEC came in fourth behind the Big East, the Big 12, and the Big Ten. Conference standings last year. Um, I, I mean, look, looking at the rosters for me, it's impossible not to say the SEC is going to be the best again. And when you look at the teams in the middle of the SEC, you know, like your Auburn and your Arkansas. Yeah. Even teams at the bottom like Missouri, like like I have I have Missouri I believe, thirteenth out of fourteen in the SEC. Wow. And I think I have Missouri. At least on par with like Wake Forest and Florida State and Georgia Tech like
1: yeah. Pitt too. You know, not not that different from from those rosters.
0: On the hot seat front, um Louisville obviously is a big one. Florida State retirement watch for Leonard Hamilton. Um,
2: Miami Retirement Watch
0: Miami Potential Retirement Watch with Larry Nago, although he seems energized Um, and then a lot that are lurking Clemson, North Carolina NC State, Pitt don't think any of those are moving this year but
1: things could change in a hurry Um, I don't know if you made an all-ACC
2: first team
0: I don't have one now.
2: I went with Baycott, Filipowski, Proctor, Mince, and PJ Hall.
0: I'm not sure I would object to any of those.
2: And then I, I went think- a second team with Beekman, RJ Davis, Norchad, Blake Hinson, and Nigel Pack.
0: I think this is Sean Pedula slander.
1: Would Would you like him over Blake Hinson?
0: I mean, I was. I don't. I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I. I think Sean Padula averaged 15 f- and four assists. Yeah. Last Is year. It, that has to be a first or second team all league yeah, right?
2: His numbers were great last year, but I, I mean, Hinton averaged like 15 yeah.
0: and seven last year. Give me your run. Run me back your second team. Beekman,
1: R.J. Davis,
0: Nordchad. Yeah. I, like, I think I think he's better than Beekman.
1: As a player and
2: or for the symbolic exercise that is these team?
0: For a conference, all conference ranking, yes.
1: Yeah. We'll see. I I know people love Mike Young, they love this Virginia Tech team.
2: Or at least the Virginia Tech program, you know, they run great stuff
1: where Where's the athleticism? Where's the power They have too much skill, not enough athleticism. Anything else for today's show? Um, no, I don't think so.
0: All right, then. We will wrap it up. Get to another conference preview next week. Appreciate you all listening. Um should be fun. Lots to lots to get to. It feels good to be back on the swing of things, like riding a bike here. So appreciate y'all joining us.